DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. By the laces, my name is Bilal Malik, and this is my co-host Tom Gorski. Trenton cannot make it in studio this week, so uh, we uh, hope he's listening in right now. But for now, it's just uh, you and me, Tom. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Bilal, man. How's it going? Uh, you know, we're coming off a pretty big uh, divisional round and big week of off-season hirings. Um, you know, I'm really excited to be here, and I just can't wait to talk more football. Yeah, Tom, I see you're... First time in studio, right? And um, yep, as you can tell, um, if anyone didn't know this before going into the uh, before listening to our show, Trenton is the technical wizard behind everything <laughs> at, on, on this specific show, and I'd say at Radio the Paul Sports in general. And not having him in studio today was um, meant that I had to take the load and try to figure things out. And uh, I was frantically trying to call him to figure out how to do things. And we already ran into some technical difficulties before. So if it's not as smooth as it is, I apologize. But uh, I will do my best to live up to Trenton's high standards. All right. Uh, we have some news to get into, as we always do. Um, leading off today, we knew this was coming, but uh, it has been official. Ben Roethlisberger has retired as quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And um, just hear your thoughts on this, Tom. I, take it away. Give your... Yeah, um, it's time. Uh, you know, Ben's been decaying the last two, three years now. Well, you know, it's about time. And he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's not in question. Um, you know, we've seen the good, the bad, the ugly with Big Ben. Um, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion, six-time Pro Bowler. He won Rookie of the Year. Um, he, he has the most wins ever by a rookie. Um, he entered a very good situation early on in his career. Um, he's the only player to throw for 500-plus passing yards in four games in the season. Um, Steelers never had a losing record. I think that's pretty important to point out there. Uh, he's never had a losing record. Uh, Mike Tomlin hasn't either. So, that's amazing you know, for uh, a coach and a player also to never have a losing record. Because there's some teams that almost every year end up having a losing record, but to go as long as you did, though, and the worst being 500, um, that's it. Still goes to say something, and uh, yeah, continue, please. Yeah, and I, I mean, he's just great. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. Um, he finished with the uh, fifth most passing yards in NFL history at 64,088 yards. Um, he'll forever be remembered for so many big time plays comebacks um how mentally tough and physically tough he is that that's what i'll be remembering yeah. him for i mean you could i think i may mention this when the announcement first came out i don't remember if we covered him on that show but just the idea that like i could have a broken nose or a broken foot or anything and he you could it wasn't out of the question for him to uh come back and play like in in that game or the next week he may be in tremendous amount of pain but yeah, that's the durability is what I'm gonna remember him for mainly. Arguably the toughest quarterback we've seen since probably you know Favre and Elway. Those are guys who put it all out on the line, week in, week out, and that it's his durability is is speaks volume for itself. 
Um, but I think his play on the field as well, you know, you can never count him out of a game. Even if you're down early, he's going to throw for 400 yards, five, six touchdowns, but also throw about three picks. But um, he, he will go down as an all-time great. He'll be a first ballot. And um, I think he solidified himself as 10 to 12, probably all-time in that area. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we could sit here all day going through his whole resume, but we have a lot more to do. Speaking of another retirement, New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton has stepped down from uh, stepped down from the Saints after 15 seasons as head coach. Honestly, until rumors started spurling around towards the end of the season that Sean Payton could be retiring or may no longer be interested, I never saw this happening. And now it uh, now it has happened. And uh, one uh, small Sean Payton fun fact that I like to bring up occasionally is that he is from where I uh, grew up in uh, Naperville, uh, Illinois. And uh, he obviously didn't go to the same high school as I did because that wasn't made at the time. But just a uh, Naperville native, Sean Payton, um, former Bears quarterback at a moment too. So uh, what's, what, what's your lasting impression going to be, Tom, of uh, – Sean Payton and the legacy that he's left. Well, I mean, as as a Vikings fan, Bounty Gate is always going to come to mind, knowing that he was behind Bounty Gate with the Saints when they won the Super Bowl in 09. But um, if you take that away, and you know, he he's still a great head coach. I mean, I saw this coming for about a year now. Uh, Sean Payton, once Breeze retired, the, 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 the clock just started ticking. Um, Sean Payton knows what he's doing. Um, he's leaving at the right time. Uh, you have no quarterback of the future on the team. Uh, the team's in cap hell. They have negative $70 million in that, cap that's, space. That cap space is probably yeah. one of the major things that uh, probably deterred him from uh, continuing on as coach. Yeah, and, and there's just no stability there. Um, the D- Dennis Allen, I think, is the most ideal candidate to probably take over. He has already been a hot coach uh, commodity. For, um, he's had a few interviews. Um, you know, but... Here's what's gonna happen. I mean, Sean Payton, he's gonna leave. You know, when things get hard, he leaves. He finds the easy way out, and he's going to possibly come back in a year or two. And he'll say that he just wants some time off. You know, he wanted a break from the game, or maybe he'll join Dallas in about a year after McCarthy gets canned. Uh, th- there's so many possibilities. Um, this isn't the last we've seen of Sean Payton in the NFL. He's probably gonna go do TV. Um, that's probably the route he's gonna go. He's gonna go do TV, make. Five million or so a year, like the Greg Olsons, the Keep Talibs, the Drew Breeses of the world. So, uh, I mean, that's all I gotta say pretty much about Sean Payton. Um, resume itself is uh, it's solid, but um, again, I just, for me personally, it's hard to forgive someone uh, for Bounty Gate. Uh, it's hard to give them the respect that they deserve, and he even was suspended the very next season after. So, um, I'm just gonna keep it short like that. I would say. I don't think he's leaving. When it gets hard, I think he's leaving because he no longer enjoys it. And like, when you had so much success with Breeze and you had the top, yeah, you know, like the top offenses every year and things like that. There, and then you lose that, you just something changes. And um, again, if your if your heart's not in it, then you don't. No one's forcing you to stay. I mean, you don't have to. It's not like um, he did the best what he could. He had a good start this season with Jameis, but then Jameis went down and then Taysom and brings in Trevor Simeon and that's a disaster for like four games and Taysom comes in and then it, it's just, it was never 
looked like the Saints were like having fun and it wasn't enjoyable. And again, a coach, we can't relate to a coach because we're not coaches, but like they're spending so much time away from their family. They're in the office all the time. And if you can't put your full heart and soul into that, then maybe it's time to step away, which is, I think, the moment that he's found himself in his career. And he's like, I've I've been on this journey for 15 years now, and I want to just take a step back. And would I want to possibly go into TV? Yeah, Bruce Arians did that for a year, and then he went and took the Tampa job, and then he won a Super Bowl within within like a couple of years. So like everyone, no matter the he's in a, he's in a luxury of having a job where you can take a year off and just observe and relax and. Um, I mean, I got tremendous respect for the guy still. Uh, I know Bounty Gate was a big thing, and it was disappointing, but he just showed that even after that, though, all the th- he got suspended for a year, even after that, he was able to still come back and put together a high-caliber team's year, year in, year out. So, I mean, it happened. Um, you can The Patriots with Bill Belichick and Spygate and all the things that come up with that, no, but still no one's discrediting the uh, Bill, Bel- Bill Belichick for his um, yeah, year, as no one should either still. Nothing but, will yeah. ever be as bad as Bounty Gate was. I, I, get, I get the scale of that, but still I'm um, not covering for that either. Just to, yeah. just to see how you're able to overcome that. You realize you made a terrible mistake and um, still able to come back and lead proper teams, but he's... Still one of the better head coaches that have ever coached, in my view, and we'll still see what he decides to do in his uh, future. Um, so, moving on here, um, one of the general, a couple of the general manager spots have been uh, uh, filled up now. Oh, and also, going back to the Saints, now that now they have to get started on these head coaching interviews and to see where, and like you said, Dennis Allen could be like the front runner. Because he's already the inside guy, and he's already been with the team. He's already he was. I'm assuming he was like the assistant head coach anyway, who's there. So in my view, when you can find a inside guy and he works and he's been with the team already, then uh, you should uh, keep keep him there. Uh, now moving on to general managers, the Chicago Bears have f- hired their brand new general manager, uh, Ryan Poles, who was previously. For the past 13 seasons, a uh, with the Chiefs, and most recently as their executive director of player personnel, um, you've seen trends like this emerging um, throughout the league of like the natural progression of uh, people in like the front office view, going from these type of backgrounds, and um, obviously during his tenure there with the Chiefs, over the 13 seasons they have had. Um, tremendous success and part of that has been due to his uh, leadership in the front office as an assistant and director of player personnel so um and nothing in anyone who has worked with him in the past so far that i've been reading has had anything bad to say about him all positive reviews so um the future looks bright in chicago but we just have to see what type of team he decides to put on the field now and can that team perform yeah, um, Poles, um, he was a Boston College offensive lineman. 
Uh, he was a, bl- a blindside tackle for Matt Ryan, who's mm-hmm. currently the quarterback of the Falcons. Who came on, uh, who was on recently on the air on ESPN 1000, I think, a couple of days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. And had uh, tremendous praise about Poles because I think he and Poles were also like college roommates. So uh, he's one of his best friends and uh, just getting the sense of who the guy is. And uh, from what I've been reading, he's uh, yeah, he's good. very he's very well respected around the league, especially yeah. as a talent evaluator. He's also worked under uh, John Dorsey and Brett Veach. Um, Poles is he's he is involved a lot with the Chiefs draft. And when it co- uh, he's the head of the department of the scouting mm-hmm. department and player personnel, um, he's well known for developing and finding offensive linemen. Um, he played a big role in turning around the Chiefs' offensive line uh, it, this past off season. They drafted Creed Humphrey, who's the number one rated center in the league of Pro Football Focus. Um, he, they drafted him out of Oklahoma. They took him in the second round. They found their starting right guard in Trey Smith in I believe the fifth or sixth round, and he was supposed to arguably be like. A, a day two pick. Um, they signed Joe Tooney from the Patriots, who's arguably the, one of the best guards in all football, and they traded for Orlando Brown Jr. So he knows what it takes um, to be a talent evaluator, spe- specifically when it comes to the offensive line. Um, you know, having Justin Fields is obviously an intriguing area. Um, we saw George McCaskey picked him up actually at the airport. I liked that a lot, actually. I mean, the, that just shows how much ownership really likes really likes the guy and like i don't think they they do that for just anybody they just they go to the airport personally to pick to pick him up and uh, uh i mean it's a sign of respect too i mean you go to the, you take the time out of your busy day to go pick someone up at the airport it's showing something in general in life yeah. in general too um <laughs> mccaskey walking in in a full bears jacket and uh mask i loved that um but uh, yeah, continue. Poles is he was a finalist for so many jobs. Um, you know, it was about time he got one. He actually was supposed to interview with Minnesota on Wednesday, and you know the Bears locked him up right away, so he wouldn't even go to their division rival, which was smart. Smart. Um, again, I still think it worked out for both teams in the end. And uh, I mean, Poles is a finalist for the Giants' job. He was a finalist for the Panthers' job last year. He was a finalist for the Bears and a finalist for the Vikings. That's four out of thirty-two teams he he was a finalist for. So he's very well respected that, that, around the that league. That shows you're doing something right. Yeah, and he's only 36. He's young. Yeah, former player. Um, former former undrafted Bears yep. player too, but he uh, unfortunately did not uh, make the team. But as soon as that happened, he got taking got hired in the front office role in Kansas City. So he's been yeah in took a front a office position job. since then. So um, kind of like coming full circle though. I like that the former Bears player went and made a name for himself as an executive and I was coming back to the team that kind of could have, I mean, took a chance on him at yeah. a moment and uh, it just didn't work out. Yeah. And um, one last thing to note for when it comes to polls is it's not very often that uh, you survive three general manager turnovers as a scouting organization. Right? So, uh, so clearly um, he, he brings he brought something to the table in Kansas city. Mm-hmm. He survived the Dorsey era. He survived the, um, polio, or I don't remember who the second one was. Uh, and then was, there was the first one was Scott Pioli. Yep, 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 yep. Pioli, uh, Dorsey, yeah. and then Veach. Now he yep. survived all of those. He's been the same organization for thirteen years. Um, you don't see that too often. Um, I would be excited if I'm Chicago because he's he's not Ryan Pace. You know, he's not going to make the trades that you're going to regret later unless there's a reason. And mm-hmm. if anything, he might trade some picks away. 
to go and acquire win now talent, such as guys who have a lot of value. Um, Chiefs haven't had a first round pick in four of the fa- past five years, so, and they've bring, they've brought a lot of win now talent. He helped discover Patrick Mahomes and a lot of guys. So um, I, I think Chicago got a really good hire here. Time will only tell, and you we can't judge a GM um, just within one year. Usually it takes a couple of years to figure out the extent of how uh, well a GM is. So we shall see how this works out in Chicago, and it's time for a fresh start. Um, moving on to more general manager news. I'm going to just sit back on this one because uh, this is Vikings territory, and Tom is our resident Vikings expert. If you have ever seen his Twitter account, um, Sometimes you have to just take a step back and let Tom take over. So please do. This is probably uh, it's an odd hiring. Uh, it's Quazy Adolfo Mensa, and he is the complete opposite of Ryan Poles and many general managers. The Vikings are pretty much the first team here to hire a GM who has no scouting background whatsoever. Um, he was a former basketball player, JV at. Um, <clears throat> Princeton, he has he got his bachelor's degree in economics at Princeton, and then for a few years he worked on Wall Street as a trade, um, as a stock trader, trade, uh, yeah, and he was also a port uh, a portfolio manager. So so he helped with a lot of like hedge funds and stuff, and then he went to get his economics master's degree at Stanford, where he crossed paths during the time with. Jim Harbaugh, don't know if just something to keep an eye on for as the Vikings are currently looking for a head coach. Um, but his plan, according to his press conference today, is he simply was just going to economics um, to become an, econo- an economics professor at Stanford. That was just what he was going for. And he decided, you know what? I've been a fan of football since I was three years old. I'm passionate. Um, he ended up meeting, connecting, and he got a chance with the Niners in 2013. There you go. Started off as a research and development um, guy, his job with the 49ers was to study and evaluate opposing successful teams in the league. So all of his research uses a lot of analytics, of research numbers. He wants to know why. I mean, if you're an economics background, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, no, it's good that you get it, you're bringing in a guy that isn't actually entrenched in the football world. Like you find people who've been around the world for like. I mean, in, in the in the league for like twenty, thirty years, and then they they never leave, and that's just. I mean, I, there are there are definitely times where an insider's position is much more valuable than an outsider, but at the same time, an outsider will come in and provide a fresh new take on. And again, I know there's a lot of technical aspects to it, but being a general manager is much different than being a head coach. General manager, you're you're the you're a manager, you're a boss, you're trying to figure you're CEO out CEO of everything. You, exactly. Um, so you don't need the X's and O's knowledge. You're not the guy in the in the meeting rooms trying to dictate oh what type of plays to run, what type of formations to come up with, and things like that. You're the guy who's trying to evaluate uh, people. You're the guy who's trying to see like what uh, what acquisitions we can get, like a, like a company trying to acquire another company, trying to see does it fit with our uh, existing culture, our structure. So having a guy who has an economics background 
who's more analytics driven, yep. even though sometimes analytics have been proven to be a little um, misleading in times. But again, a football is an in the moment sport, so you can't always rely on yeah. that. But what comes to mind is the movie and the situation Moneyball. Yeah. Um, the uh, Brad Pitt was playing. I forgot the guy's actual name, but he played uh, Brandon Bean. Yes, yes. Um, which that's a true story as it is. But like, yeah. Um, it's, it's things it like that, right? I mean, he also had a little bit of a background in baseball playing, but he got cut. And um, but it's just bringing that a fresh perspective. I think you'll, you'll see you guys well in uh, up in yeah. Minnesota. Um, you know, and something interesting about um. Quasi Adolfo Mensa is, uh, well, you know, from the Moneyball movie, uh, do you remember Jonah Hill? Yep. He played Paul De Podestra. Mm-hmm. He's currently in the Cleveland Browns front office, so he made the transition to football. He is very well respected around the league, and that's where Quasi Adolfo Mensa actually came from. Be after San Francisco, he was in Cleveland, and he was Andrew Barry's right hand man for draft evaluation, player evaluation, contract management, and they drafted very well during his time there. They found Jedrick Wills. They have found Jeremiah Owosu from Notre Dame. Uh, they have found a lot of good talent, and they have made a lot of big splash moves since they've been there, and they've been a successful organization. So Quazy, he doesn't have the scouting background, and this, and I believe Minnesota went with Quazy Adolfo Mensa over Ryan Poles. Uh, I've seen a lot of Bears fans on Twitter thinking pull, they stole Poles from us. Rapport reported that Quazy Adolfo Mensa was – the leading candidate anyway. And this is the opposite of Rick Spielman. Yeah. This is why they made the move because Rick Spielman, he's he was he was what Ryan Poles is like right now for if he would have taken the Vikings job. Scouting background, former player. The Vikings are trying something different because they know it hasn't worked. So now they're going to go in this new direction. They're going to look for a new head coach. Um, here in D'Amico Ryans is probably the favorite right now. Kevin O'Connell. Both have connections with Quasi Adolfo Mensa, and those are two names to keep an eye out for. And Raheem Morris. So um, it's a new era of Vikings football, and it's different. A lot of tough decisions ahead. He's gonna have his hands full. And on this week's episode of Tom Talks Vikings Football, someone should get Tommy's own show on just talking Vikings football. The guy will never stop. <laughs> That's why we have to move on now. It's all good though. Uh, moving on, the Bears this morning. Uh, have uh, selected their head coach. So GM Ryan Poles came in, which one thing about this guy, I love how the second he got hired and was officially the GM, he literally went straight to work. Like He conducted like two interviews that day, the day he was in the building. So it just shows that he's not wasting any time getting getting straight to work. Anyway, so he um, hired, and this is solely his decision the search committee ownership they all backed off once uh, polls became the gm he hired now former uh indianapolis colts um defensive coordinator matt eberflos and i'm probably gonna have to learn how to say that name better but uh it is i'll, I'll get on it um but he is now the head coach of the chicago bears yeah, it's a good hire. Um, I'm a huge Matt Eberflus fan. Um, you know, he comes from the Colts, but he is a little older. He's about 51, 52 years old. I think that's a good age. I, I, I'm not worried about that at all. We don't We don't need – not every team needs, like, the Sean McVeighs or the Matt LaFleurs who are, like, in their 30s and early 40s. I mean, if he's a good guy, who cares what age he is? 
Yeah, you know, it's just tough because, you know, that's just the way the NFL is, especially when you have a young quarterback like Fields. Um, it's really crucial to get the young, offensive-minded coach so you don't have to change offensive coordinators consistently. But to me personally, I think Eberflus is a good hire. Um, he could bring Marcus Brady from the Colts with him as the OC. That's a name I've seen. I, I think having a defensive-minded coach in a city like Chicago is a better fit than you. I know you always want the offensive-driven coach, but, like, Offensive, Chicago has done traditionally better with a defensive-minded coach and leading with a strong defense. Uh, I mean, uh, Mark Tressman was brought in as a offensive-minded coach, and yeah, we had one good year of putting up a bunch of high-scoring uh, offenses and things like that, but that tanked r- right away the next year. Matt Nagy came in his first year, 12-4 and four, uh, playoffs, um, offensive mind, great, but then that also just re- started regressing year after year. I think switching the philosophy to a, a more Chicago, traditional Chicago de- defensive approach would be good. It also allows, I think, having a dedicated offensive coordinator who is not your head coach will just pay more dividends in having someone who is solely focused on the offense. Because again, if you brought an offensive minded guy, chances are he's going to want to play call the plays too. So then he's Distracted from other parts of the team, which is something Matt Nagy mentioned himself towards the end of the uh, towards the season last year, how he felt more um, involved with the whole team instead of just the offense. So let him. Uh, I liked I liked the going with a defensive minded coach, and if he's the right guy for the job, who cares what his uh, position is? He's supposed to lead the whole team, so not just. Yeah, I am curious if this was a if this really was a polls hire because they again they have interviewed a lot of these guys already before then and I know during these head coaching interviews um, when you're interviewing for a general manager spot you have to come in with a big portfolio and you're telling them who you, who you want to bring in this is who I would hire as head coach and I didn't hear that that Eberflus was even on polls' list. I heard he was more so the Quins, the Bulls. Well, Eberflus uh, yeah. got interview polls interviewed him for sure. But uh, I think the thing with the uh, Bears, because again they were doing this simultaneously with the um, with the head coaching and the GMs. Um, I think the Bears ownership and search committee kind of narrowed because you could have picked anybody. Like you, they could have interviewed you for the head coaching job if they wanted to. They could have been, they kind of like narrowed it down, and like these are who we are satisfied with. If you'd like to pick from here, we'll be fine. But if you want to pick someone else, because ever since polls was hired, I was I was reading that the the finalist list could be expanded if he wanted to include. Maybe he liked who they already chose from because I'm reading a tweet here from um, Matt uh, Spiegel from uh, 670. Uh, I think 670 score is what it is. Um, he said, learn today, the hire of Matt Eberflus is all Ryan Poles. Once he became the clear GM, Poles took this process over. Bill Polian, who was on the search committee, in fact, was not thrilled. And this is a fully empowered general ma- manager. So th- it's all him um, from what I've been getting. And good for him coming in right on the job, going straight to work and picking the guy who he wants. And uh, he's got... If it doesn't pan out, which obviously I hope it does, he's got no one to blame but uh, himself. Yeah, and one last note uh, for people who don't know much about Iberflus. Uh, he took over as defensive coordinator with the Colts when Reich was uh, first officially hired. Mm-hmm. Before that, he was a linebacker's coach with the Cowboys. 
And uh, three of the last four years, he's had a top 10 defense. That's where I was going. I mean. Yes. A lot of talent. And also, all four years, they've been top 10 in takeaways. They found guys. They've they've traded for DeForest Buckner up front. They have Darius Leonard. And Leonard was a second-round pick, and he's turned all pro his rookie year. And they don't even have. They don't even have that impressive of a secondary, but they make it work. Mm-hmm. So he's and they're gonna be and the Bears are gonna be running a four a four three base defense now back to like what it used to be with the Lance Briggs days. Uh, those, they've run three four the, the last few days. years. Those were the good old days. I'd love to. I don't know how possible this is, but I'd love to see like, um, Lovey Smith come back as like the defensive coordinator or something. Just run his old. Traditional Tampa two defense that defense hire a defensive coach and have some and have another defensive guy run plays. I don't know how that would go over. Odds are uh, odds are Eberflus is going to call his own plays. No, it could be. What I'm saying, have him back in some capacity. Yeah. What do I know? I mean, I just <laughs> love to. He was treated so unfairly by the. His last good coach they've had. Y- yes. Um. I mean, you're getting fired after a ten and six season. That's unheard of. But what do we know? Um. Also, last point here is that Iberflus is getting top-notch talent to work with, too. He's, Robert Quinn just had a resurgence season. Roquan Smith has always been great since he came out of the draft. And yeah. Khalil Mack will be back a fully healthy season, too. Like, he won't, like last year, even when he was in, he was, he was hurt. And you Both those guys might not be back, though. They'll be back. They don't fit a 4-3 base defense, and they're making a lot of money. So, I mean... They might trade. The Bears have a lot of cap space, though, so they 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 can still afford to pay them. Yeah, something to keep an eye out for because Khalil Mack's got a thirty point one million dollar cap hit this season. Tom, you wish, man. You just don't want Kirk Cousins to get hit by. You won't. Kirk Cousins won't be here next year. Okay, continuing on. Uh, The Giants have hired Joe Schoen as their general manager, and uh, I don't know. I don't know much about the guy. I completely forgot about it that he even got hired. Yeah, it's because a lot of people haven't really, you know, really cared about the Giants over the last few years. They've just been so dysfunctional. They've ruined Daniel Jones's career. Uh, Barkley could be on the move this offseason. Learning under, uh, I think it's Brandon Bean. It's the coach. Yeah, oh, yeah, from earlier. The A's, it was Billy Bean. That's the A's coach, or the A's GM at the time. It was Billy Bean. Brandon Bean is the GM of the Bills right now, where Schoen came from. Uh, you know, they've they've hired McDermott, great coach. They discovered Josh Allen by trading up for him. Uh, they made the trade with Stephon Diggs a few years back. And a lot of assistant GMs are in, involved in a lot of trades. Um, they have the number one total defense in football this year. Number one off. I mean, the Bills are a great organization, so the Giants got a good one. Um, no one really knew much about any GM candidates besides like a month ago. So, it's, again, it's really hard to judge who's going to work, who's not going to, until you actually see results. Um, but so far, I mean, the Giants, are I would have to think, are the front runner for uh, Brian Dable, simply because of the connection there. So, I mean, I think if you're a Giants fan and you're listening in, uh, bright days ahead. Um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see if the fortunes of New York can finally be... Uh, be changed because New York has not been relevant since I don't know when they last won the Eli. Super Bowl. Yeah, but even in Eli's last years, they started declining, and yeah. they went through so many head. 
ever since Tom Coughlin, Coughlin left the team, um, they were already in a little bit of a decline at that time. But um, but uh, this new the, all these changes have caused it even more. Uh, all right, we still got a lot to cover and not that much time, so let's continue on. Uh, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, who's been up for a bunch of interviews for head coaching positions, has basically given the indication that he will remain with the Cowboys for the 2022 season, and then we will have to see um, uh, if he decides to get a job in the future. Yeah, I mean, he's st- he, he's making head coach money for being a D.C., because uh, he's still under contract at the Falcons, so Cowboys aren't paying him much. It's a no-brainer for him to stay, simply because McCarthy could be gone as early as next year, and he would be the front-runner to probably take over. So, um, yeah, so much to talk about there. Uh, I think knowing that he didn't get the Bears job, um, there really was no other openings, and Quinn was supposed to be the finals for the Broncos job, uh, but they ended up going with Nathaniel Hackett instead. Yeah, the the Packers OC, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, how much of this Green Bay was Aaron Rodgers um, and how much LaFleur. of this was LaFleur. Yeah, LaFleur was the guy calling passes. I mean, yeah, plays. Yeah, calling plays. Plays. So it's like... I don't know. I don't know how much success. Even top. See, the thing you notice with all these head coaching candidates is that they could be great coordinators and they put up great things, like great numbers. But when they go and become the head guy somewhere else, they generally run into a lot of issues. Uh, One example I'll quickly mention here was Vic Fangio. I mean, uh, Fangio, great, 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 great defensive mind. He's amazing. And um, and Denver also had a relatively all right defense, but then the rest of the team was still uh, off point and uh, just just to show how hard being a head coach in the NFL is. Yeah, you. I mean, Fangio was never going to survive in Denver simply because of one his age and just it's it's a new era of football. You you need a younger coach that can relate to the players, and Fangio is he's hard on his guys, and that just doesn't fly. That's why Zimmer's gone. Fangio was fired. Hackett's the opposite. Hackett is a he's a friendly guy. He's a leader. He's a culture setter, and uh, he didn't call plays in Green Bay. Yeah, he didn't. That that might. But he called them in Buffalo and Jacksonville, and he was the OC when Jacksonville and Blake Bortles went to the AFC Championship game. I mean, so he's shown success. The history's there, but people are going to be judging him based off of his recent success, which obviously came with the Packers. But you have to put that little. Asterisk next to him, be like, oh, you didn't. He didn't call the plays, but again, he was. He obviously had was really involved with the offense yeah. and thing. Uh, learned from that, and he probably learned a lot too from Lafleur and from Rogers. And uh, he's probably gonna bring Rogers with him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd I'd love Rogers to get out of the. I mean, well, I mean we'll get to that next week or yeah. in the future weeks. Uh, we don't have to spend too much time on him right now, but he said he's gonna make his decision roughly close to the beginning of free agency because. In his words, uh, basically many people are like, relying on his um, decision. But um, continuing on, uh, we'll get through these a little quickly because we don't need to spend too much time on this. But Antonio Brown says he will be pursuing legal action against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over his release. 
and in my view this is just never another added like domino piece just following the end the saga of Antonio Brown once a promising receiver to now a guy no one wants to deal with ever he has no case um he he's he's very upset that when he was released that the Bucks offered him over two hundred thousand dollars to get mental health checked you, on. You you forget two hundred thousand dollars is still two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is going to be interesting to see where this goes, and I don't think any reasonable judge in a courtroom will want to take this up. But uh, then again. All right, the NFC Championship game will be played in Los Angeles between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. And we'll get into this in a moment when we pick the games uh, down the road here. But um, since it's in California, there really, I mean, again, it's in Los Angeles, but there is no real home field advantage in my mind. Like the last time the Rams and the Niners played, uh, it was week 18, and like most of the stadium was covered in. Uh, 49ers gear and uh, uh, the Rams uh, the tickets of this game are already trending towards more 49ers fans buying them and it just shows to goes to show that there may not be a home field advantage for the, the Rams no there's not at that stadium I mean the Chargers every game they play even with this new stadium for the Chargers they're always the road team and Rams and Chargers share the same stadium but I think L.A. loves their Rams. So, I mean, San Francisco is also in California. It so, is. I, I mean, mean, it's they, a home game for both sides. It, it is, but, uh, like, they mentioned, <clears throat> I think some players mentioned it last time, right, that uh, it, even when the Rams are on offense, you're, the stadium is generally supposed to be quiet, quieter, because you don't want your own offense to uh, not be able to hear. So, uh, but they were complaining, like, it was as if, uh, the Niners fans were just overpowering. The the Rams couldn't even hear what was going on in the huddle. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what goes on. And, uh, and the Super Bowl is played in the same stadium, too. So if the Rams win, they stay there. And if the Niners win, they don't have to go that far either. So we shall see what happens. Moving on to these games. Um, what a week of football, Tom. Best of all time. Best divisional round in the history of football. We went from a terrible wild card weekend with blowouts happening every which way to now, as you said, the best divisional round in recent memory or maybe ever. So let's go through the games one by one quickly. Just give your thoughts, situation, and um, yeah, let's see where this goes. Uh, first up on the weekend was Bengals at Titans. Uh, number one seed of the Tennessee Titans playing the at home against the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. Um, the Bengals obviously came away with a win at the last minute on a last-second field goal. What went wrong for the Titans in this game? The guy under center, it's Ryan Tannehill. He was horrible. Uh, he was so underwhelming, and he's returning to his old form. Uh, you know, he threw... A, I believe two interceptions and in very key, the first throw of the game by Tannehill was an interception. And, uh, I mean, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are the most dangerous duo besides probably Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they I are agree. the future of the league, and the Bengals are not going anywhere. They have $60 million in cap space this offseason. 
Um, I, I actually think they could beat the Chiefs this weekend. They did it once. I don't see why they couldn't do it again. Um, so, yeah, um, overall, uh, just Bengals. They played so well. They're really showing up offensively and defensively. And Evan McPherson, he's just he loves kicking game winners. I mean, I love the quote at the end of the game that Joe Burrow's, like, uh, mentioning how McPherson, before he even went out to kick the ball, he's like, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. And then he goes out and kicks them at the AFC Championship game. I mean... The amount of courage that guy has to make a statement like that before probably the biggest kick of his life is... Um, That's what you want from your kicker. It is, but still, <laughs> I would not have the courage. Like, I would celebrate after I yeah. kick it. Because I... If if it went to my head, if it goes to my head, all I can do is I can do this, then be like, oh, wait. And I don't do it, then yeah. it just demoralizing the other way. But great game. Team's just um, full of swagger. Burrow, oh, Chase. I mean, Burrow is just so confident. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's uh, he's going to be a talent to watch for years to come. And uh, good to see him healthy, too. Taking, I mean, after his knee injury last year, um, he's had success. 49ers and Packers. Man, this game was so much fun to watch towards the end of the game because the Packers did not advance to the championship round. And that makes me happy. Thanks to Robbie Gold, of all people. No, the guy who no, the guy that deserves the credit for this game, D'Amico Ryan's. He shut down the, that Packers offense for the remainder of the game after the first drive. In in game adjustments. I mean, he had Rodgers, Jones, everyone on a swivel. Uh, he that was probably the best defensive game I have seen called in some time. The, the Packers scored only ten points, which is unheard of for a Packers team of recent memory. And the f- for seven of those ten came on the very first yep. possession, and then they don't score anything else. But I would like to give credit to the special teams of the San Francisco Forty ers because people usually overlook special teams; they don't care enough. But without special teams. The Niners don't walk away with this. They block a field goal, they block a punt and score a touchdown, and then they kick the game-winning field goal. That without that, uh, the Niners obviously do not win, and yeah, the Packers are unfortunately moving on. But that did not happen. So yeah, you know, it's just I think when if you would have told me before the game that Green Bay is going to score a touchdown on the first drive. Then they're going to score three points remainder of the game and have only 58 yards of offense in the second half with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You you would have called me crazy. And it started <laughs> snowing, too. Like Yeah, it's, like, it's incredible. I think the team from California would uh, decide to uh, sputter out of control once that happened. But yeah. uh, it turned out to be the other way. That game alone is probably going to land D'Amico Ryan's, the Minnesota Vikings job. Just for what they did to the division opponent, that was a statement game. And even though Jimmy G played horrific, um, I know he's injured. Uh, he it's impressive. Week. He gets another week, though. Yeah, he, he gets can, another week. And now he's playing, like we mentioned, uh, he's going to be playing in Los Angeles in an indoor stadium in a place. Well, I'll get to say it now. Why do I have to wait until the picks? This, the Niners have beaten the Rams the past six games in a row. I yeah. mean, it's not like there are any pushover against them. They know they're division rival. They'll be fine. And, uh, again, a quarterback's best friend is a running game and a defense. And the, the Niners have that. Yep. So let them uh, – let's not put Jimmy G in a position where he has to make every throw because uh, he can 
at times, and at times he can make some really, really nice throws. There were games and moments in this game where he put the ball right on his receiver and they dropped it. So uh, obviously that doesn't show up in the highlight reel or the stat sheet, but um, again, uh, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, two more games here. Rams and Buccaneers. Looked like the Rams were going to really run away with this game, but then Tom Brady became Tom Brady. But unfortunately for Bucks fans, the Rams came away with a game-winning field goal. Yeah, I mean, defense just let the Bucks down this game, and that alone should take Todd Bowles off of many head coaching lists. Uh, just and especially on that last drive where Stafford hit that big shot, the cup. Uh, what are you doing? What are you the, we doing? We all know the ball's going to Cup, though. I mean, it's, yeah, but it's, you don't line a safety up one on one with Cooper Cup. That's just a no no. And uh, that you know, it's it's tough because you know it really felt like one of those memorable Tom Brady games, and, and, you, and you really thought Stafford was going to give it away because you know that's what like he does were, best. Uh, what was it like? Uh, Chris Collins were on the game. He's like, this is like the moment where Brady goes to everyone's like. Relax, guys. Remember, I was like in the Super Bowl a few years ago, down yeah. twenty to three. This is nothing. And then, at a moment, it was like this game's all tied up now, it's like twenty-seven, twenty-seven. And then the uh, then the Rams decided to go down the field with like what forty seconds left and kick a game-winning field goal. Yeah, I mean, I'm still impressed. The Bucks came back, knowing they don't have Antonio Brown anymore. They don't have Chris Godwin. Tyler Johnson's dropping pass after pass. Uh, I can tell Brady was frustrated early on. He didn't get much help, but overall, I mean, the fact but that the again, Rams got that lead early on shows that they did deserve to win, that yeah. they are the better team. But uh, I know it didn't happen, but you also never can count out Tom Brady. No matter you give him any moment of time, uh, he, will, uh, he will produce, just not this time. Uh, closing off here. Probably the most exciting game that anyone has ever watched in recent memory. The Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Tom? You know, um, Buffalo and Kansas City is its such a good game. And honestly, as a whole, uh, just Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen are both unbelievable. It's like the next Peyton Manning and Tom Brady rivalry of, the, of this generation. Type. Not this generation, of this decade. Going to be the sub. Yeah, I mean it's just, it was a shootout. Um, Bills defense was great. Um, Charger, uh, jeez, <laughs> the Bengal. Oh my gosh, sorry. Uh, the Chiefs. Chiefs. Sorry, um, I did. I just got confused because my my volume. I forgot to turn it on. Um, so no, the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal. Josh Allen, phenomenal. It was just going back and forth. I just I don't know what Leslie Frazier was doing. That final drive. There's 13 seconds left. Why you know even at Sean McDermott? What are you doing? Like why are you not squibbing the ball that takes seconds off the clock? Why are you giving Patrick Mahomes a chance? And uh, that's, it, it, it. It was tough. I would say from that it was it, it was brutal. Um, but you know, Chiefs from are now, the Chiefs for a reason. You just have to make sure never to give Mahomes even a second if you want to preserve any. If, if you're in a position where he could come down and tie the game or something like that, but. Um, Again, overtime came up, and uh, I don't know if you want to get into debate on this, but I am in, I'm content with the current overtime rules because, as everyone says, I don't care. I've been on the receiving end of these rules uh, as a fan, not going my way, and also in moments where it has gone your way. Um, I mean... 
Getting a touchdown on the opening possession is no easy task. Like, it isn't a given that you will do that. So uh, getting a touchdown is still driving the length of the field all the way to uh, to uh, score. And there's something called defense. And if your defense isn't playing well, then you can't stop them. Then it's still part of the team. It's still half the team is on the field trying to stop them. So I think it's more than fair. Uh, it used to be, obviously, back... Uh, before they changed the rule back in 2012, it used to be you can just go field goal to win the game. So uh, I I like how they made it. You have to score to win, or and, and if you kick a field score a touchdown, and if you kick a field goal, the other team gets the opportunity. So I like where the rules are at, and they're not going to get changed anytime soon. People people will find a way to complain about the rules every year, but I'm fine where they are and. Uh, this game was one of the better games that we've ever seen, and uh, I think the Chiefs uh, and the Bills rivalry will be continuing on for years to come, and we'll be it will we will be recapping many of these games in the future. I like the overtime. Um, I like the overtime rule, like during the regular season, because the point of the time limit and all that is to lessen the chance of players getting hurt. And but I. I think that during playoffs, um, I think each team should at least get a chance once. Especially when it's in a shootout like that. Regular season, I understand. Um, but when you have a game like this, it's like, it's just, it, it, it's, I hate that Josh Allen doesn't even get a chance to touch the ball. Like, at least in like college football, um, you go back and forth and you get the ball to 25 yard line each time to score, and you get 25 yards to score. The next time, um, you, uh, you have to go for two then after that consistently. Or I, I just I hate when like great quarterbacks don't at least get a chance and they have to leave it to their defense because well, the, but the defense is still part of the team. It's a team it sport. Is. It's, it's just team the sport. coin toss is just such luck. So it's like you know like like or maybe still, it's, a, it's still a team it's sport. Tough. That's the point of football. Though. It's not golf. You're not on your own. You have to <clears throat> be able to trust that your defense will come up for a stop for you when you need it, and hopefully put you in a position where you can get the ball back. It's simple as that. Um. All right, we're, we're getting to the end here, but we cannot leave without picking the championship round. Um, Trenton is not here this week, but uh, we are recapping his uh, efforts from last week. He went two and two to extend his overall record, including postseason and regular season, at uh, one sixty four, one seventeen, and one. I went two and two. I uh, went, uh, my overall now is 169, 112, and 1. And uh, Tom, how did you do in your picks? I picked Buffalo. I picked Cincinnati. I picked, um, I picked the Packers, and I picked the Bucks. So uh, I think I went 2-2. Two and two. One, no, 1. Yeah, I went 1-3. and three. Oh. Yeah, it's, you know, it's tough, but, it, you know, it was a lot of, Three out of four road teams won in the divisional round. That, 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 that doesn't happen very often. That uh, just shows that uh, home field advantage can sometimes turn against you. But coming up to this week's picks, we have two games. The first up on the docket is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs. That is the first championship game. I am taking the Chiefs. Now... Would I be opposed to the Bengals winning? Not at all, but I'm trying to do this 
I've been known to pick with my heart and not with my head, so I'm going to go with my head this time, and I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm also going to go with the Chiefs. Um, Cincinnati has it's been phenomenal what they've done so far, and no one thought after having the fourth overall pick in last year's draft that we were going to even have a ch- that they were even going to be in the playoffs, let alone win the win a playoff game, two who playoff kn- games. Who knows where they would be last year if Joe Burrow does not get hurt? Like they because. Again, we didn't get the, we only got like a, a very small sample size of Joe Burrow's potential last year, and even though they were struggling last year, uh, it was there. And now he just took this huge leap, and uh, good for them. But yeah, at the moment, I'm taking the the Chiefs because it's just who I think could They're win. In but sync. I would like the I would not be opposed to the Bengals winning. Uh, Trenton is. Yeah. Taking the bold choice and taking the Bengals. So Trenton <laughs> is taking the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, to me, last week, Chiefs-Bills, that was your AFC championship game. Oh, yeah. You know, like, like, like that was the game that, you know, that that's who was going to, or to the Super Bowl either way, in my opinion. Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, they're all in sync right now. I don't think Cincinnati's defense is going to stop them. Yep. Uh, next game, <clears throat> we have... Uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams, as we kind of covered this game a little earlier. I am taking the Rams, but at the same time, see, all these four teams that are playing, I wouldn't be opposed to any of them making the Super Bowl, but uh, for the sake of picking the game, I'm taking the Rams. Yeah, I'm also picking the Rams. I'm also picking the Rams. It's just, I simply do not trust Jimmy Garoppolo, and nobody should. Um, They have the run game. They have have the defense. Um, you know, like Jimmy Garoppolo, he, he doesn't necessarily have like the talent, but he's got the intangibles and the leadership to make big plays when he has to, and he he's just a winner. You know, he came from New I England. I mean, the guy's record, yeah. in terms of winning, it's he wins. It's like in the seven hundreds, like his percentage wise, and it's like seeing him, uh, seeing him take the field and winning games, winning like winning the games on the line. There's no. He is clutch, but there's also the potential he does throw a pick. But there, you are still, um, you still have the faith in him that he could get you to in position to win a game if he if he desperately has to. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I I just trust Stafford. I think in this game he proved me wrong last week, and if it comes to a shootout, which it likely won't with D'Amico Ryan's defense what they've done, but uh, if it does, um, Stafford is going to beat Jim Garoppolo in a shootout, and I think Rams are going to go play in, a home, in their home stadium for the Super Bowl, and this will be the last we see of Jimmy G in a Niners uniform. That's an interesting way to put it. Um, Trenton is taking the Rams, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Uh, we'll have the Pro Bowl next weekend and the Super Bowl the week after, so we're slowly getting to the close. But not before a uh, exciting wild, an exciting championship game weekend ahead. So that does it for us here at By the Laces. Um, thank you for all listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. If you missed any part of this live recording, uh, since we we're in studio for one after a long time, uh, this show will be back up on its podcast form as it is every week. So don't forget to follow us at BillMalik15, Trenton underscore Cito, and Thomas Gorski33. 
please stay safe um, and enjoy another weekend of football. Thank you all.